What's up, everybody? My name is Lee. Some of you guys might know me as Intuition, and you are tuned in to Kinda Neat. Thank you for tuning in. As always, it still feels good to be back. Feels great to be back. Still getting used to rambling into the microphone about myself for a little while again. I haven't done it in a couple years, and so, you know, racking my brain, racking my brain. But I think today I'm going to tackle a big subject. I'm going to tackle a big one, and I'll probably have to touch on this a lot because obviously it's a big part of my life. It's a big part of what happened over the last two years, and the reason I'm going to touch on it today is because almost immediately when the podcast started today with Armani White, I started bawling fucking crying because I didn't realize uh, his dad also just recently passed away. And so I'm going to talk a little bit about my dad's end of life stuff um, because it only seems fitting because we get like right into it at the beginning of this. So, you know, we talked uh, uh, about hospice care and hospice is something that I would imagine a lot of you listening don't know about yet because you're probably still I would imagine the audience checking in on this is probably 20s and 30s parents are probably in their 50s and 60s not really worrying about death too much yet maybe you've experienced it through a grandparent or something like that but the hospice care industry is something I unfortunately had to learn a lot about and have been learning more about as time goes on like I just heard an NPR thing about hospice like a lot of people are doing hospice in home which becomes a huge burden on the family because when somebody is on hospice they essentially need 24-hour care and oftentimes Medicare or Medicaid will cover hospice if you're over a certain age or if you're under a certain bracket like a tax bracket but what hospice care doesn't provide is a 24-hour care. They will usually offer a nurse for a couple hours per week or something like that. And, you know, even my dad, when he, uh, the long care term or the long term care kicked in, you know, and my mom was um, starting to have some troubles watching him uh, at home by herself, the long term care would pay for like a nurse to come help for like, you know, a few hours a week so she could go run errands. But mostly she was having to watch him by himself and like essentially driving herself nutty like trying to keep up with it because it's so stressful she wasn't able to sleep she's barely having time to cook herself meals it was a lot of work and so anyway that hospice care what that is essentially is when there's no more treatment available you first get sick and you try to attack the sickness and try to heal the sickness and hospice is when it's like hey the care isn't working so now it's about comfort so that includes morphine that includes around-the-clock care, not around-the-clock care, but around-the-clock bedriddenness, basically. A lot of people will just get a hospital bed in their house, and they're kind of stuck in that. And oftentimes, like, really towards the end, you have to get a catheter put in. It's, like, really dark shit that nobody actually talks about. It's a little different with Alzheimer's. And so my father ended up getting put on hospice back in, like, May of 2018, right around the time. It was right around the time that we kind of went radio silent on Kind of Neat, I think. And I was also doing, a, a like, a long Twitter thread at the time about going to visit my dad. I would go visit him and I would take pictures and I would kind of write about what happened that day. And in May of 2018, I decided to stop that thread because I found out that he was getting put on hospice and I lost it. I was so sad. It was very soon after that, that he became wheelchair ridden. He couldn't walk anymore. In May, he got put on hospice. By June, it was the last time that he ever walked. Um, He was in a giant fucking wheelchair because, you know, he was a big dude. So there was like this big archaic looking metal contraption that just had almost like 
desk wheels on it or, or like uh, uh, office chair wheels on it rather than actual wheelchair wheels where all four of them kind of spun in different directions so you could push the thing around but it wasn't really for mobility it was a chair that he was you know stuck in basically and so I stopped posting around that time t- the pictures that I was taking because I didn't want this thread that started off as kind of a means to show the reality of Alzheimer's. I didn't want it to become this exploitative thing of like, oh, look how fucking decrepit my dad's life is. Like it became an ethical and moral question of like, is it appropriate to be taking these photos anymore just for Twitter? That said, yeah, I kept taking photos and I have a lot of them and I'm deciding what to do with them, I guess. Like, you know, in my heart of hearts, I kind of want to like make a book about this, write a book and utilize also the fact that I have the photo background. I mean, they're like, you know, there's some really moving not to like toot my own horn, like, oh, these photos are so moving. But I mean, like, it's like a, it's like moving documentary photos because the shit is so like, it's an inside look into something that not a lot of people or that a lot of people do end up having to deal with. But while I was dealing with it, I didn't feel like I had enough resources to figure out what to expect. It's hard to find the reality about Alzheimer's end of life. All we see are cutesy shit on the movies and you know, it's kind of haha, grandma's losing her mind type shit on TV and, and movies. You know, it, it's never the like, oh, yeah, they can't move anymore. Oh, they can't get out of bed. Oh, they can't feed themselves. Oh, they don't know how to speak whatsoever at this point. You know, like you guys have heard all of that if you've been following along. So, yeah, May 2018, he gets put on hospice. Now, hospice usually with, uh, I don't know, quote unquote, regular sound of mind, we'll say, sound of mind person, it's usually like a couple months, I think, or even only a couple weeks. Like sometimes it's like you get put on hospice in the last two weeks of life. You know, it's like a, it's a really a like, okay, this is, that's it. You're, you're not going to heal from this. So we've got to make you comfortable now. With Alzheimer's is a little different because no one knows when anyone's going to die. You can get put on hospice and live for another five years. It's basically... When a doctor thinks that it's a possibility someone could die of Alzheimer's in in the next six months, that's when you get put on. So that said, my father didn't end up passing until February of 2019. So he was on hospice for almost a full year. He was on it for, you know, what is that, nine or ten months. And yeah, it was terrible. Like, it was really fucking hard, you know, like when... I would talk in these intros back then when he first moved down to California in, what, 2017 or something. It was good. Like, I would go visit him, and it actually became a very—it was joyous in a sense. Like, I felt as though I were getting to kind of know my father, even though we couldn't— outwardly communicate in a traditional sense like there was still this sense of comfort as if he did sort of know who I was even if he couldn't say my name or talk to me in a coherent way there was still this sense of like oh this guy is clearly supposed to be next to me and I'll trust him to like help me you know even if it's something small like clipping nails or cutting hair like I can tell that he's supposed to be the one doing it, that and that and that felt good, you know. And by the time he got put on hospice, 
man, I got to be honest, I started having a to struggle to go visit. Like I used to, I would go once or twice a week when he was like up and mobile and, you know, it was fun to walk around with him. And then all of a sudden it's like, I would go and he would be asleep the whole time. Or when he was awake, he would be extremely grumpy or like, you know, almost feel like I don't want you here tight. And I, he couldn't actually communicate that. And that's, that's probably just me projecting or my own insecurities, but it became a thing where it was harder to bring myself to go visit because it really, it just hurt more. It was emotionally more taxing to see him start to get so skinny and to see him not be able to walk or roll over or do anything, you know, to have to like hand feed him every bite of food or see someone hand feeding him every bite of food. It, selfishly was very fucking depressing. You know what I'm saying? So I started going maybe every other week or that year of 2018, I was traveling a lot for this headphone company. And so there was a lot of like, oh, well, I'm out of town, so I can't make it this week. I'll go next week. Or like, oh man, I I have these two cities I have to go to right in a row. So I won't see him for two and a half weeks. And that kind of felt like a justifiable excuse to avoid the inevitable because yeah, it became really hard. That's the thing is like when it gets to that point with the Alzheimer's, it's just sleeping all day. That was it. So I would just go, I would take a book and I would sit there and watch him sleep basically and read a book or listen to a podcast. And I would take Kennedy at the time, rest in peace to Kennedy as well. I made the mistake of taking Cooper one time, the new dog, when he was a puppy, he was probably four months old and I took him and he's rambunctious. He is a very curious dog. He's very smart and uh, spry. And all the, um, or most of the other Alzheimer's patients there, oh, they were ecstatic to see a puppy. They're, they're showing me in whatever way that they could that they wanted to hold him or if they could communicate that they would ask to hold him. And, you know, it brought a smile to a lot of people's faces. But then, oh, man, I put him on my dad's lap and he was not happy. He's what like he didn't understand what it was, didn't understand why it was touching him. And at one point, as Cooper's kind of jumping all over my dad grabbed his leg and started squeezing his leg to the point that Coop yelped, you know, he was this little puppy and I, and I was, and my dad had a full on like GI Joe Kung Fu grip on him. And I'm like, Oh my God, he's going to fucking break the puppy's leg. Fuck. And I'm like, Hey, Barry, Barry, what, what's that? What's that? Look at, Oh, let me see what's in your hand. Like trying to trick him to kind of like open his hand. And finally he let go and nothing was wrong. Uh, but it was really scary. Cause I'm like, Oh Yeah. Too much stimulation for Barry is not good at this point. I will no longer bring the dog here. That is not an option. And yeah, that sucked. That was sad. But anyway, what I'm getting at is eventually it got to the point. I mean, May, May was nothing. When he got put on hospice, that like the word hospice was so scary to me. And I thought, oh, fuck, my dad's going to like die anytime. And then, nah, he, you know, he was pretty much, you, ha- you, hit, you hit these plateaus where it's like everything's the same for a while. And then there's a steep decline. And then everything's the same for a while. And then it's a steep decline. And so, you know, finally around January of 2019, he started to have a really steep decline. And on, I can't forget, like my aunt came the week before he died. My aunt happened to be in town and 
man, I, I don't think I had been in a couple of weeks. And then I met my aunt and uncle at his place. And, and it was their first time seeing him, I think maybe the whole time that he'd been in the memory care facility. And he was fully bedridden. And at this point, I mean, he was, when I say skinny, like, I mean, he was a skeleton with skin. Like he was, you could see every bone you know, there were times where I would see, you know, his bare legs when they were changing him or whatever. And his thigh looked like my fucking forearm. It was so skinny. I It was unbelievable. And so they see him at this point, And I guess my uncle actually on the drive home to my aunt said, like my aunt said, Oh man, you think he's going to make it much longer? My, and my uncle said very intuitively, like, I don't know if he'll make it to the end of the week. And you know, I had become so used to seeing him in this state and just kind of being like, this is status quo. Like he's skinny. He can't talk. He can't eat. He can't move. He can't whatever. He doesn't really acknowledge anyone's existence anymore. But like, the heart is stubborn and it's going to keep beating and the brain is stubborn and it's going to keep existing. So I was like, Oh no, I don't, I don't think that he's going to die anytime soon. Like this is going to take a while. And lo and behold, I was really into hiking with Cooper a lot at that point because I realized that he's like, just really good off leash. He's a really good trail dog. And so it was, it's, it was actually kind of easier to take him on nature walks than it was to, to like leash train him. So we had gotten into this rhythm where I was, uh, you know, only working every few days or I was only working a couple times a month, to be honest. It was a very cushy setup at the, at the, the headphone job. And so you know, we were hiking fucking three, four times a week, sometimes driving up into the Angeles Crest Mountains and finding a trail and just going on a hike. And so I was getting ready to go on a hike and I get a, a call from the memory care facility and I didn't answer it. And then, or, or I did answer and I was, they were kind of like, Hey, you know, I, we just wanted to let you know that we're going to have to put Barry on oxygen. And now if you've been around a memory care facility, uh, like I had been, you know that getting put on oxygen is code word for like, they're about to die. You only see people on oxygen there when they like literally are not going to be feeding them anymore or not, not that it's when people like really stop doing anything, you know, and, and the shortness of breath, um, usually in that realm signals, like it's time for end of life. But I, I didn't want to, I already had this plan. Like I was going hiking and my fucking stubborn ass, I went, he's not going to fucking die. This is bullshit. Like they're putting him on oxygen, but like I've had scares in the past with him where they had called me and said he needs to go to the hospital. And I got myself all worked up like, oh my God, is he going to the hospital? Cause he's going to die. Like, why are you guys sending him to the hospital? What's going on here? And it always ended up being nothing, you know? And so they tell me he's going to be on oxygen. And I thought, well, fuck, fuck that. I just saw him two days ago. This is going to be nothing. I'm going to go on a hike. I'll fucking go there afterwards, you know? And my mom calls and she's full on sobbing. Like, you need to get there. And I go, mom, he's not going to die right now. Like, what are you talking about? Like, I'm going to go do my fucking two hour thing that I already had planned. Cause I'm like in the truck already going and then I'll be back and then I'll go. And then when I go, I'll call you and tell you guys if I think you need to, like, come down, you know? And I, I was definitely, like, a little bit in denial. I was like, okay, this has been—he's been here for two years now, you know, like— 
it was a part of my routine. It was a part of my existence was going to visit. It was in a sense defining me. You know what I mean? Like it was part of my definition. I was, I had a responsibility to go. This was my job. Like go visit your dad, be with your fucking dad and help as much as you can. And you know, that year that was just part of my existence or those two years. And so it felt like I don't want this monumental change to happen. So I'm not going to like acknowledge it. You know, I went, no, I'm going to go do what I'm going to do. This fucking bullshit that this is interrupting my day that they're putting them on oxygen is how I like was justifying it to myself or something. And so, yeah, we went on a hike um, out to Switzer Falls. And then when I got back, my mom, as soon as I was in service, like I realized I had a bunch of missed calls because I, I was out in the wilderness where there is no, you don't get any reception where I was at. And so I call back my mom and she kind of lets me know, like, no, it's for real. Like, it's a dire situation. Like, do you think we should fly down? And I said, I'll go. Okay, I'm going to, you know, tearfully, I was like, I'll go up there right now. I'm just going to go home and shower and I'll take a, an overnight bag and I'll stay by his side until we figure out what's what needs to happen. And I'm like, you know, this, this sounds like it's for real. So you guys kind of like need to be on call and figure out if you're going to fly down. And I get there and it's like way worse than I thought. Like I had just seen him no more than like three days prior. And, um, man, once he had the oxygen on and I think they must have upped the dosage of morphine or something like, man, it looked like the oxygen was the only thing keeping him alive. Like he really, I mean, he was laying there with his mouth wide open and snoring like really loudly, but also really slowly, like taking fucking, I don't know, like three breaths per minute maybe or something or two breaths per minute, like so slow. And I call my mom and I'm like, yeah, you guys need to fly down. Like immediately book tickets. And my brother's going like, I don't know if I, I, I can't like really, I shouldn't leave work. Like, are you sure? And I'm like, we all came to the conclusion, like, yeah, you guys got to get down here. And so Steven and Kendra, my sister-in-law and my mom all flew down and Kendra's like super pregnant at this point with my nephew, Wyatt. Oh yeah. That's another thing that happened. I I got a nephew now, like an actual blood nephew, which is crazy. You know, my brother had been holding out hopes that even though my dad wouldn't have processed like, Oh, this is my grandson. You know, my brother wanted him to hopefully make it long enough so at least Wyatt could like at least he could like rest him on his chest or something you know and I was always kind of in the back of my mind like yeah Steve you're tripping like that's not I don't think dad's gonna make it that long because the baby wasn't due until May or something all right fuck I'm so bad with dates I don't even remember I'm I need to like write it down what day the nephew was born it's terrible but um they came down Kendra's super pregnant and I stayed the night there, like packed an overnight bag and took a shower at like 530 in the morning because my mom and brother and Kendra were all landing at like, I don't know, 7 a.m. or something. And we just like as quick as we could got back to the memory care facility from LAX. Thankfully, it was early on a like a it was February 25th. I don't know what day of the week it was, but for some reason, I want to say it must have been a Sunday because there was no traffic. So I pick them up hella early. We get back fast. Maybe I got them at six 30. We ended up back there at seven, but by seven 35, that was it. Like they got there 
and he took his last breaths and that was it. And, and it was crazy because I don't know, like, I don't know what he could hear or not hear at that point. But when I got there the night before and was like ready for a long night to just kind of chill there. And and if he was going to pass in the middle of the night, you know, at least somebody would be there with him. Uh, you know, when I got there, I told him like, Hey man, you know, you fought long enough and hard enough. And if it's too hard now, then you don't got to wait. And I don't know if he heard that or not, but for some weird reason, he waited until like literally everyone was in the room. And it seems like more than coincidence to me and who knows what it was but yeah like he was like not he toughed it out through the night and everybody was there and even like all of his caregivers came in the room and stuff and it was nice like you know the thing about that memory care facility and memory care facilities in general you hear a lot of shit talked about them about how oh, they don't take care of people or they're abusive or they're this and they're that. And man, we didn't have that experience and I'm very happy that we didn't. And I'll tell you, the memory care facility that he ended up in was a fucking last resort. Like we didn't have nowhere else that would take him. And so the people that were there went above and beyond for him and they were so great to him. And, you know, when he was in his last moments, that room was filled with a bunch of his caretakers and they were all crying just like we were. And it was very moving. That's why I was bringing this up now because man, I start crying just like this right at the beginning of this fucking episode with Armani. Cause it turns out that apparently I have not quite processed or coped with all of this shit. And you know, I haven't talked about it that much because I haven't been doing these and this is kind of my like my own personal therapy. And so you guys, sorry to fucking dump that on you guys. But no, you know, this is like talking to myself. It's my little diary and it's how I figure shit out and process shit. And so that is the story of hospice care with my dad and shit. And I'm sure, like I said, I can't help it. This is a big part of my life. This is fucking 10 years of my life was watching Barry lose an inevitable battle to Alzheimer's disease, man. And that shit, I don't know what I'm supposed to do to like process that shit. So I have to like talk about it and cry about it sometimes. And I'll probably, those of you that listen to the show, you'll probably listen at home to me talking to every new person that I meet and going, oh yeah, my dad died too. And be like, we know, shut up. But like the point is these people that I'm talking to, what do you mean these people? That's not what I mean at all. I'm saying the artists that I'm sitting across from talking to they don't know me like I don't know them so when I bring it up I apologize if you guys get sick of hearing it but like it's something that you know people relate to somebody's dad dies you need to talk about it anyway yeah so hold me to that I'm gonna fucking write a book about it because I just think like people in my type of situation need to have more realistic resources to to figure out what they're going to be coping with because man they just ain't out there there's not enough real insight. Even the doctors don't tell you shit, man. It's fucked up. But anyway, all right, enough of that for now. Today on the show, we have Armani White, who 
he and I have been going back and forth since probably 2017. I think somebody like, forgive me for forgetting, but somebody that follows the kind of neat Twitter account suggested him and was like, yo, you got to have this dude Armani on the show. And I checked out his music. Sometimes I do. Sometimes I don't. And, and I checked it. I was like, oh yeah, this is dope. So I emailed him and, or DM'd or something. And we've been going back and forth like forever, forever, like since 2017. And it was always one of those things where it was like, Hey, I'm in LA. And like, Oh fuck, I'm not in LA or like, or Hey, you know, I'm going to be in LA again. And I, and then it was like, Oh yeah, sorry. I'm trying to figure out whether or not kind of need is still going to exist. And then it was emailing and I just like didn't respond because I didn't want to tell him like, I think we're like done forever, but really because I didn't want to admit that because I didn't know if it was true. So anyway, finally, when I found out that we were getting to reboot and start, I hit him and was like, Hey, just FYI, you know, we could finally knock this out if you want to, cause we're back. And I was like, sorry for the radio silence. And he's like, nah, no, no worries. He's like, I'm actually in LA this weekend. Cause I hit him on probably Monday and today's Sunday. And so finally we worked it out and it was cool, man. Sometimes, you know, you just sit down with somebody and you click and you vibe. And that was one of these. So I think, uh, it probably, it probably ran pretty long. I'm sure Ben might have to edit some shit out, but it was cool, man. It was really nice to talk to somebody that seemed to be on a similar wavelength and just kind of get to bullshit about stuff. And, uh, yeah, great music as well. He got a record, Keep in Touch, that came out October or November of 2019. I'm not sure which, your Spotify or Apple Music or whatever will tell you. But yeah, definitely worth a listen. I would say, particularly if you're a fan of like rapping ass rapping, like dense lyrics and big sounding tunes, lots of live instrumentation, lots of layering. And I mentioned it more than a few times during the podcast, but it's a very joyous and triumphant record. It's happy music, I would say. It's probably good workout music or jogging music, you feel me? And so anyway, had a real great time with the guy. The performance also really wonderful. Nailed it in a take, which is fantastic. So without that being said, let's get into it. This is my conversation with Armani White. You always growing your hair out since a kid, or what? How long so, have you been growing your hair? I grew my. I've been growing my hair since uh, maybe like, yeah, since I was like a baby. Yeah. Um, and it, and then I want to say sixth or seventh grade, my mom just got tired of doing it. So uh, one day, like uh, one day, she gave me these like these ass braids, like it was garbage. Yeah, cr- like like cross crooked as fuck. Yeah, and you know, like I went to school in the city, and I'm one of the class clowns. I'm one yeah. of the like I like I'm going at people neck every day in class and, all and of shit. A sudden, so. Yeah, I couldn't go to school like that, <laughs> for sure. I, I could not go to school like that, so I took it right back out. She got mad at me. She was like, yo, ask your sister to do it. If, if she don't want to do it, then I'm cutting it. Yeah. I'm like, man, you ain't cutting my hair. Like, I woke up, fro gone. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> didn't yeah. was asleep. Yeah, yeah. That's fucked and up. So, so um, uh, that was maybe, like, that was seventh grade. Yeah. Uh, and then by, I think, I want to say, like, I, like, from there through like high school I just kept it low yeah. uh, as soon as I graduated high school I was like man I don't know like I, I just kind of want this shit back uh, actually um, uh, we, we ain't talking a minute my uh, my father had passed and yeah. uh, like, like right before my father passed he had took me to go get a haircut and I was like yeah man I'm thinking about growing my hair out so he was like 
Yeah, well, just grow it out. Yeah. And, uh, and I think me and him, we got our, like, my last real haircut, I got it with my pop. And after that, I just been growing my hair out. I never, I never cut, my, uh, cut my shit yet. How long ago did he pass? Uh, it's going on three years now. Oh, um, man. So it, I'm sorry, I mean, it's, it's not as much of an open wound as it was, but, like, you know what I'm saying? It's really, like, uh, you know, like the the project that I'm that, yeah. I, that I just recently yeah. released was um all based around his life. So that's uh, you know that's why it's going by Lee. Yeah, and, uh, Two Shadows is like Two okay. Shadows is like nickname and yeah. Lee's real name. So, uh, um, but yeah, I, uh, how, how did he pass? Uh, you prostate don't cancer. Oh man, I'm yeah. sorry. No, nah, he was one of them like he's one of them brave hearts, man. He's like you know what I'm saying he didn't know. Uh, I think it was definitely something that could have been treated. It was something that could have been taken care of. Had like had he was you know had he been just like open about it and told a lot of people around him. I man, think. we hide that pain, man. Yeah, like, for sure. I think we all, 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 all of us as men, we do that. So. Yeah, I'm from that type of family too where it's like you, you don't go to the doctor unless you like can't move or exactly. something. Exactly, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. My dad was a medic in the in the Air Force and so it was like you don't go to the clinic unless your fucking leg is like crooked, yeah. broken half, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like otherwise, it's not on your body Yeah, anymore. put a Band-Aid on it, put some but, sports exactly, tape on it. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And that's how we all kind of came up and that's how he raised us. I know, exa- I know exactly, you know, just kind of like the fever that was going through his head when he he was, you know, going through it. He was like, "Yo, I'm not, you know, I, I, like I, he had." Um, we didn't find out until afterwards. But he had, he, it came when it first came. He beat it, like you know, he, he not canceled out the park. So yeah, I think he was just kind of like when it came back. How and, many years ago was that? Um, we found out in kind of in the same incremental space. Like we found out maybe. I uh, I think I found out about that, like maybe seven or eight months prior to oh, uh, him it. actually passing. So I found out that he beat cancer, but um, but it was actually like earlier that year. I want to say earlier that year or the year before that, he got there was when he got diagnosed, and he was just like you know fighting it on his own, like kind of quiet about hiding it, it from him. Yeah, hiding wow. it from him. We didn't know nothing about it. And, what a and, tough um, motherfucker! The only reason we found out was because he didn't answer the phone. He had one of my brothers listed as a um as an emergency contact. And the doctor just called him and was like, "Hey, uh, yeah, I was just calling you to let you know that uh, Lee, Lee's your father. You, you mm-hmm. should, you know, you could tell him uh, he doesn't have to take his uh, the cancer medication anymore. We we're not seeing any traces. Wow. Everything's looking cleared up." And my brother's like, "Cancer? Cancer? What the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying?" So, um, and we found out that way. And uh, uh, and Man. then even then, we didn't know that it came back. You know what I'm saying? We like we was like. All, to the most effect that we known is that some point you had cancer and you got rid of it, but like, why would you hide that? You know what I'm saying? So, right. Um, but yeah, like if he would have just been a little bit more vocal about it, I definitely think it was something that we could have, you know, we could all just kind of bounce back and forth and make sure he was staying on top of it right. and caught it early enough to where though we could have, you know, what I'm saying, whack that out the park. So um, yeah, I mean, like I'm, I've had my own separation with it. Like, I, you yeah, know, I thought about it for some years now, but. Uh, I'm at peace for the most part. Like, right. It's definitely gonna be. It's, it's always hard days. It's always some moments where you wake up like, damn. Like, you were you guys saying? close? Yeah, uh, we had we had like a rocky relationship for a couple of years, but all in all, we was like, I was the, I was the youngest son. You know yeah. what I'm saying? I was the little boy, so uh, we had like that kind of bond going on just for years and years. It's just like I'm I'm little him. You know? Yeah. What I mean? and, you uh, look like him. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Only difference is the weight, but I look yeah. exactly like him in the face, and we both had we both grew our hair out at the same time, yeah, like right. all that. So, and I did a lot of I just did a lot of uh, walking around with the project, um, with the music that I was making, and in the process of it, it was really like you know what I'm saying like it was exactly what's going on right now. Is uh, uh, is a lot of those moments where I just had to just you know kind of stop pausing my words and 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 I you know I don't take anything yeah. from it. This is like these are real moments. I think this is you know. At the time, I learned a lot just about uh, the medical side of it. And I, yeah. I, like, I heard so many theories about, like, the, you know, they, 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 
they they were telling me like they kill people off. You right. Know what I'm like yeah, like no, they'll they'll let you go. You know what I'm saying? And um, I didn't know what a hospice was. Never yeah, heard, hospice I never heard is the crazy, word. dude. Never heard the word, and um, I just knew that. He kept going to the same medical hospital um, right. until one day he wasn't, and I right. went. To, I went to the hospital to go check in on him, and they said, "No, nah, he's at a different one. He's at uh, the hospice, hospice on such and such." I still didn't know what it was, but I know when I was with someone, and um, I told them, "There's like, yeah, no, they said he's at hospice. We should go there." They like instantly felt really regretful. It was like, "Yo, I'm so sorry." Yeah, because that's like that's the end, and I didn't get it. Yeah. I, I didn't understand it at all. Yeah. And when I got there, he was like heavily sedated. They weren't doing anything to really help him or really like you know what I'm saying really uh, uh, medicate treat him or anything it was just yeah it was, hospice is just pain control that's it it was it was morphine it was just shooting morphine in him and I was watching that, that's him. what they don't really tell you about dying in America or of old age in general right. because I'm sure your dad was probably a young man but like even with old people in their 80s and 90s and shit you, you end up on hospice and like you don't ever the heart and the brain are stubborn as fuck, and they yeah. don't want to die. Their exactly, instinct yeah. is just to keep going, and your heart, it's it like all it needs is an electric shock to start again regardless. Right, exactly, and so yeah, it's yeah. like at a certain point, you don't actually die of old age. A lot of people just die of like a morphine overdose. Yeah, you know? yeah, like that's, that's really what it is. Exactly, and and then that's, that's what was going on because— we, uh, I was there every day, like you know what I'm saying. I, yeah. like, before that, I um um I did. I was doing the music, and when I when I found out, I went to his house. Um, we played a show. Uh, uh, whenever whatever that year we played. Um, whatever month that was, that was March. We played a show in March, and um, I remember me and him at the time. We were just kind of on opposite ends. We were like, you know, just like beefing about something really small. And I was like, man, like you know, we, we gotta stop acting like children. Like I was, I'm 19 or something like right. that, 19, 20. I was like. I'm going to go over there, like, you know, whatever. I, and I, I drive over there, and on my way to his house, I'm, like, about to turn down the block. I seen, like, a frail version of him, like, just— yeah. And I didn't even know it was him at first. I just seen, like, a bald-headed guy that yeah. weighed maybe half the size of him. And I didn't know who it was until he picked my little sister up out the car and walked into the house. And yeah. I was, like, shattered. I just drove off. Um, and I called my brother, and that's when my brother told me about the news that he um that he had heard that he just beat yeah. cancer. And— I'm in a I'm in a Chinese store parking lot, balling, like, yeah. just balling before the show. Because it just looks like a skeleton of yeah, the exactly. that you, like and I, skin. And I stayed with him. I called I called my managers. I called like booking. I called everyone yeah. who was working with me. And I was like, "Hey, I'm gonna take a break." You know, what yeah. I'm saying? I didn't really explain what, why, anything like that. I was just like, "Yo, I'm gonna take a break." And they're like, "All right, is everything cool?" Like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, it's cool, it's cool." I'm gonna just take a break. And um and I stuck it out with him. I like I moved all my stuff into the crib. I was just like, you know, I lived with him and day in, day out wherever he needed to go, we need to go to the hospital. That and, was strong, man. And it, it I think um, you know, and that's when I learned more and more about the hospice thing and, and when we were there, I remember one of my brothers came through uh and we were all you know, we were kind of um we were we were just hanging back. He yeah, he was uh just like, you know, he was um grabbing my father's hand until uh and while it was happening, my dad woke up out of the sleep mm-hmm. and gripped him. He like he like gripped him like with I would imagine Strong. all of his strength, yeah. and he was like, "Take me home, please." Mm. And he's just crying. He's crying. He's like, "Take me home." And my brother can't like he's like, I, "I can't do anything." Like you know, he's like, "Take me home," and he's he's like he's almost like you're begging him. Mm-hmm. You could hear the morphine go into him, oh, and, and then he just, just fell back kicks right back, and That's he just went it. back to sleep. Me as a 19, 20 year old kid. I couldn't process it. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like, cause you, you have here, you have the strongest man in the world to me. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like as a kid, this is, this is, you know, one, Your one hero. Step, exactly. Yeah. It's one step shy of God. That's right. Me. You know what I'm saying? And you have him doing like, I'm watching this, like, you know, this man just be 
torn away, torn away. It's like, you know, you're watching, I don't know, Rocky lose, right. you know what I'm saying, right before the the break, the, the big breakthrough. And, you know, you're watching Superman, like, get knocked down by, right. uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, it, it's, I'm watching all of this and I'm thinking of all of these movies I've seen in my head. Like, oh, okay, cool. There's a moment, there's a light at the end of the tunnel where he just snaps back in it and, you know what I'm saying, and he's on, like, oh, no, 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 we're good, we're good. Mm. And I held what, I stuck with him. I held, I held his hand um, every night until... Uh, I want to say that the last night it was June tenth. I held his hand that night, and that's when he passed away. Yeah, held holding my hand like a, mm-hmm. I could feel the grip just kind of loosen and loosen and loosen, and the shit it killed me, bro. It, it like you know what I'm saying like I think uh, in the same the same breath as you know you guys took your two years staying. I took my just I just kind of took a break from everything music. I didn't like you know I wasn't recording, I wasn't writing, I wasn't. And when I was trying to write, nothing was coming out. I was just like haunting myself with this whole oh, you I know, didn't the know nightmares that. Of, yeah. of what was going on. So I, for the most part, I was just like yo, like you know what I'm saying. I I, I needed to take a you know just like a, a step a, back, a real step back, a real escape. And you know at one point it was like I wanted to take a step back. And then even then I was like when I started trying to just like you know what man I need to get back on it. Like I got I got a big opportunity to change my life and yeah. It was reality was just kicking me back. Like, yo, you're not ready for this right now. Right. You know what I'm saying? It's like you need a little time to kind of like process everything before you yeah. can really get back into the creative mode because exactly, yeah. e- even though particularly the way you write, I'm sure it is a lot of emotional processing and, and getting through stuff through the art, but right, right, right. to a point it's like if it's too raw and too open, it's almost like not it might not be even feel enjoyable, let alone be enjoyable to listen to, if that makes sense. No, no, for sure. I think um, the reason why I made that uh, Keep In Touch project the way yeah. I did was because I wanted to make something that... Um, it's it, such a joyous record. That's thank like... You, thank yeah. you. I, I didn't want to... And that's, that's what it was. I didn't want to... When I was at the funeral, and I, like every funeral I've went to, they always say not to mourn the death, but to celebrate, celebrate the, the life. life. Yeah. Exactly. And I wanted to celebrate the life. I wanted to make it feel like a celebration of life, like a joyful moment. And and at that, I just like, you know, I, I put together all the stories I know from my uncles, from my mom, from my brothers, from me. And you know what I'm saying? I put all those together and kind of created, you know, the timeline of like the the important moments of what my father's life was to me. Mm-hmm. And I wanted, you know, I just wanted that to feel like that celebration. I wanted that to feel like that trumpet blown and not, you know, not be weighed down and bogged down by it. So, um, you know, just I, I don't I don't you know, I know that. I know that it's a piece of me now, and yeah. I know that it's going to be a piece of my art. I, think, I know it's going to be a piece of everything that I do moving forward. Mm-hmm. And so I know if it's going to be a piece of me, I'd rather be a bright and colorful piece and not just, like, something I had a to— dark cloud. Exactly. Yeah. And, like, you know, and when you play the record, I'm just sitting there explaining how sad I was. Right. Or, you know, and make, trying to make the, the, the reader, the listener, feel as sad as I was. Yeah. Like, I want you to understand—I want you to feel— how important this person was in my life because, you know, I want you to feel the light that's shed from these records is the light that was shed from this person being in my life. So, you know, if I can just be a window to yeah. show you what that light was for me, then that's what's more important than, you know, than, than writing the sad songs. No, nah, that's songs. a gr- that's a great perspective. And it's funny because in my art, I take the, almost the opposite route. I feel like I pretend to be so fine with it during the day most of yeah. the time. Mm-hmm. And like I said, like, callous over, and if somebody brings it up, change the topic real quick. And right. then in the mm-hmm. art, it's like... When I write raps about that topic, it's like, oh, my God, it's just, you know, it makes everybody fuck. Or let my mom hears a song about it and we'll start crying instantly because I don't know. I just like can't make it joyous. You know what I'm saying? And Mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. and a part of me wishes I could like, yeah, like learn lessons and make it a joyful thing. But, man, it was like I bottle stuff up so much that otherwise I don't know when else I would let it out. Right, right. I feel you. I, 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 um, I. 
I think the kinetics of my brain is just yeah. like it's kind of wired in a way that's uh I'm very I'm very open book. Um yeah. but at the same time I think I think a lot and when I when I think well, I, yeah, I think a lot and when I'm thinking I think about if I'm in one space I think about the other space like you know I travel east and west a lot yeah. so if I'm in the east coast I'm like I could be getting a lot of stuff done on the west coast if right. I'm on the west coast I'm like man you know I really just need to pro- I need to go back to the east coast just to process everything and so the same way that works is a, a light and dark energy or happy and sad is like when I'm very down you know yeah. very sad I think about what happy felt like. You know, I think about how it was when I was happy. So yep. I can make very happy records when I'm not feeling my best. When I'm very happy, I'm like, man, like, you know, I just came, I did a lot to get to this happy point. Yeah. Therefore, I start to make a lot more progressively darker records. Right. You know what I mean? Like things that's like, well, you know, this is what it took to get to this happy moment. So right. like, you know, even me going through that depression and that like, just that mourning process of my father was like, I miss being happy and mm-hmm. I miss when, you know, like when he was in my life, I had mm-hmm. those happy moments. So the, let me, let me write and let me, uh, 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 let me, you know, chapter everything out as these happy moments. Mm-hmm. And as you know, that's the kinetics, the kinetics of my brain is just like, if you're over here, like, you know what I'm saying? If you're going, if you're going to hit a, hit the ball, go for the home run and think about the stands. You know what I'm saying? Don't think about the, the field too much. And you know what I'm saying? I guess for yeah. the opposite, if you're in the stands, think about what's going on in the fields. Don't think about who else is in the stands. You right. know what I'm saying? So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's a solid baseball analogy, bro. <laughs> See, I was right a, li- I was a right line drive top, hitter myself. <laughs> I was thinking about just get the first base, bro. Right. Uh, <laughs> um, your folks obviously were split up then, so because you didn't find yeah. out. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. So when did they split up? When you were a kid? Uh, yeah, I want to say like maybe six, seven years old, or something like that. And so um, you stayed with mom, or did you go back and forth? I was back and forth. I stayed with my aunt a lot, also. I stayed, okay. Uh, um, I had an aunt um, named Aunt Kathy. Mm-hmm. It's like. Shout out on Kathy. Yeah, there's a lot of tragedy that happened. I think as a kid for me, um, I stayed with my aunt up until sixth grade, and mm-hmm. her uh, was like, you know, like I think everybody has their really close cousins. Yeah. Um. So it was my aunt Kathy, uh, my cousin Khalil, Melinda, Cheyenne, and uh, little homie Keith. Keith was adopted. He's like a little cousin to me. Okay. Also. Yeah. Keith was adopted. And, uh, and how many brothers and sisters did you have? I have six. Brothers and sisters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, a lot on my dad's side. One, one sister on my um on my mom's okay. side, and the rest is on my dad's side. S- okay, yeah. And I was so like, like the ha- half brothers and sisters, and then one full sister. Uh, I don't think black people really say half. No, yeah, no, it's cool. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I like um, I had the uh, I have a, I don't think I have any full like. Okay. Yeah, I'm I'm the only four. My my brother has two. Like I think it's two of them. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's it's. That's so like biologically an only child, but you're like I'm not an only child. I got six brothers and sisters. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's nah. really funny. Yeah. That, that was a funny mistake. That and also just shows my ignorance. But, no, no, uh, you good. Nah. Uh, and this is all in Philly, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, my my family's from outside of Philadelphia. Oh, right. My mom's side is from Eastern Pennsylvania. It's got about it. an okay. hour away, hour yeah, and a half. Yeah, away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just out in Philly in October. Yeah, I like Philadelphia. Yeah, man, Philly's cool. dope. Philly is it's definitely coming more progressive. Like I just got a, a crib. I just moved back from to Philly from LA. Okay. And um we got a crib and the area where we're at is like it used to be hood. It used yeah. to be trashed. And, yeah. And it's called it was called the bottom. But um we just got a crib out that way and it's like had like this you side. You bought a house? No, no, no. Sorry. I'm like, hey, congrats, bro. No, 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 no. Millennial dream. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Well, we got um we got a where we're at, it's like on this side. 
it's still the hood. This side is like college campus. Yeah. So we like right in the middle of both. Like if you staying too close to this side of the house, you can hear like whoever yelling or throwing something out the crib on this side. You know, it's like white people skateboarding and stuff like that. So it's a cool little medium, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and it's like real easy to get to the airport from where I'm at. You were in West Philadelphia. Yeah, yeah. yeah and so... While I was there, we went and did some touristy shit while we were in for our mm-hmm. flight where we went to, like, an abandoned um, graveyard out there. Some graveyard oh. that got abandoned, like, I don't know, 15 years ago, and everything's all overgrown and crazy. But there's, like, graves from the Civil War and shit out there. Like, I mad old. abandoned a graveyard? Dude. I think it lost public funding or something. And so oh, now okay. and so now it's just all overgrown. Like, there are, are fucking— Are the bodies still in there? Yeah, the bodies are still there. Oh, okay, but yeah. it's like, you know, they, they don't groom the grounds oh, anymore. Gotcha, you, you, gotcha, yeah, so it's, yeah. like, just, like, a somebody's crazy overgrown grown backyard you know, to be forgotten like that yeah. is terrifying <laughs> right exactly oh yeah it's that's really sad wild. to think of like oh i got buried here and like now i'm no, just covered yeah. in grass that <laughs> nobody can crazy. see my but my point is is that we drove through west philadelphia and, and man i was really surprised just as like I mean, this is just like my fucking middle class white dude talking, but like <laughs> it was seemed like such a food desert. Like it was like all there's like no grocery stores, there's row houses and maybe yeah. a corner <laughs> store, and that's yeah, it. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. what's it like growing up in West Philadelphia? It seems like everybody's really packed in. We got Wawa. Yeah, uh, a lot of Wawa's. A, yeah, yeah, we got Wawa. Yeah. We could, we, you know, there's a Wawa, and um, they starting to put them closer to the hood now, so that's a good thing. But we, like, we for the most part, as a kid or as a youth growing yeah. up, you can get everything you needed to eat from either the um the poppy store, the little corner store, yeah. or um the Chinese store. So uh-huh. like, you know, I, I would like I I survived for a solid. 10 to 15 years off of four wings, shrimp fried rice, or four wings and fries, like $3. Right. $3 Man, how did you stay thin, though? That yeah, shit yeah, seems yeah, like yeah. they just feeding fucking salt and sugar out them mother. Oh, yeah, yeah, you know, no, for sure. I mean, I'm a, I was an active kid. Yeah. I was running around the streets all day. So, yeah, like, right. um, but, uh, yeah, like, every day, four wings, shrimp fried rice, four wings, uh, 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 fries, egg rolls, right. shrimp rollers, egg rolls, shrimp rollers, like, right. you know what I'm saying? So, um, that's kind of like, if your if your parents aren't around, like if your parents aren't there cooking every night, my mom was working for the most part, and it was mm-hmm. like a lot of times when she came home, she was you know go to sleep or yeah. like she cooked for sure. But uh, uh, then I think once she she got um um she got like an early retirement situation, and uh, uh, I think it was like unfit for her to work just based off of like her health. Mm-hmm. And from there, she was just out all the time. So if she's out. I'm out, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like, ain't no reason for me to be in the house. So now mm-hmm. I'm I'm just ripping and running the streets, and I got like, you know, I make enough little, I made enough little change during the day to uh, uh, get me some Chinese food to eat at night. So right. there's that, but there's there's definitely like, if it's not that, if it's not one of those two, there's like some you can go to like Acme or something like that. There's like one in some little remote area in like every little hood. Yeah. If not, there's a uh, there's Wawa. That's what really blew me away driving through there. I was like, man, how many blocks have we been down? And I haven't uh, yeah, seen a yeah. fucking grocery store. Right. right, right like, yeah, yeah. They got oversized poppy stores too. They they're like okay. the grocery stores yeah. also. Like they got one called Cousins. Well, and, and downtown Philly is so thriving right now, and then you drive yeah. that 15 minutes away, and it almost seems like a purposeful oppression. You know what I'm saying? If that, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it, it's like that's got a that's a predominantly black area, and it seems right. like the city planned it that way on purpose or something. Nah, like. for sure. Yeah, it's, it's definitely. Uh, uh, it, um, I mean, like they. There's 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 segregation. I, yeah. I don't mean segregation nah, in a racial yeah, way. I mean course. segregation in the like, and the we can we you know this is the nice part. Yeah. Okay, this is the bad part. Right. Okay, there's a the only place that there's not segregation, and I think it's hilarious all the time is mm. Temple Temple University is like they put it right in the middle of the hood, and like it's it's a bunch of little street lights and shit on Broad Street, mm-hmm. uh, where all the all the students walk at. But you go 
two or three blocks down off of Temple is Richard Island Projects, which is like one of the biggest, you know, it's like one of the biggest cash grabs during like the crack era in the 80s mm. and everything like that. And then you go up, you go right up the street. Um, it's the jungle. It's like, you know what I'm saying? It's like mm. real North Philly. Mm. Um, you know what I'm saying? So it's, yeah, the, the, I think it's because of like there was a really big soul era in um in Philadelphia and I think where soul music came from is usually where oppression was at before oh, absolutely. that. So uh I think yeah, no, it was definitely a purposeful thing where they were, you know, working I think the city was working to weigh down on black people in this area right. the same way they did with Chicago, the same way with Detroit. Um, it was one of those cities, but you know, you get something beautiful out of it. It's just what you had to go through mm-hmm. to get it and you still are going through the remains of it. Nowadays um, like I live in one of those like repurposed gentrified houses or whatever, but mm-hmm. like nowadays they're like you know cleaning it all up, you know, what I'm saying buying everybody's house and mm-hmm. rebuilding it with these these three story houses. Like just buy it. the whole row, basically. Like, yeah, and yeah. It's, it's beautiful. Like it, they they really nice houses, but it's just uh, it tears down the culture. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like and the culture, the culture for me is um, the culture for me is you know while it's still. Bad things. I don't think people are like you know necessarily doing wrong to you know whoever. I think there's just like it's territorial means. Like I think uh uh you know like that's just kind of, we kind of grew up with animalistic behavior. So you have territorial means. Like there's a lot of people who couldn't go in this neighborhood, who mm-hmm. couldn't go in that neighborhood. But it wasn't necessarily because you know um I think it, it wasn't necessarily because they were looking to do anything wrong to people um but it's just that you have to ter- you know you have territorial means you never know who is that person mm-hmm. coming through this where it's like you know if, if somebody drive down this the way we was brought up is you know if somebody drive down a block real slow and then they come back or they they spend the block they not coming to, you know what i'm saying like mm-hmm. so it, it, it ain't and, nothing nice yeah exactly yeah. And, and so so i think you know it's territorial means like you you kind of grow up in these in these uh environments so now that i'm older there's a lot of blocks that I was just kind of instructed, like, all right, you know, don't go down that way because that's, you know, this and that is going on over there. Or, like, you know, I know such and such and he beefing with such and such. So, like, I'm not going to swing on that way. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, and a lot of that is tore down because, you know, you tear off the whole, you got, they, they have college students living in the projects now. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's mm-hmm. like they just, they, like, the pro, like half of the projects is like this side still low income housing, the other side is college, college dorms. dorms. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. it, it makes no sense to me. Like you know, looking at it, but um, is yeah, that that's that's really what what the city's becoming. As a kid in those kind of like raw home blocks, and you talk about the territorialism and just how um, you know, if you see something suspicious, it might not be anything nice. Like yeah. I would imagine then that it creates a sense of community where everybody knows each other. Like if you sure. and so. That being said, like, did you feel like, okay, or or was it something, a survival instinct where it's like, you know, these are my couple of blocks I can be on or like I yeah. stay on this street because everybody looks out for me here, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, for sure. I think, um, so I, I spent a lot, I, I jumped around a lot as a kid. Like yeah. I, uh, uh, I grew up on 52nd Street, okay. but then I started to go, um, my mom took me to school in the suburbs. Uh-huh. Um, There's a little area called Bedarby. And I knew like, you know, like, so just going to school out there, I knew like I was a lot more free range, could do a lot more. And um, we didn't like it wasn't really too much uh wasn't really too much murders going on in upper derby at the time it was just more so just like we fought a lot like we you know we fought we fight this person we might jump somebody or you know stuff like that was going on in the city it was a lot more of the regular side um mm-hmm. so uh and from there it's like okay i know 
I know 52nd Street, you know what I'm saying? Like, on this side, my dad lives on there. I know everybody on my dad's block. On this side, my aunt lives here. I know everybody on my aunt's block. And then you go up a couple streets. I Like, you know, it's a couple girls I hang out with all the time mm-hmm. on 55th Street. And, you know, you go down to 48th Street. Like, those are kind of, like, my confines. I didn't really step out too much. And I think that's... Um, I think that's what kind of becomes a dangerous mentality for people growing up in Philly is that if you grow up more or less kind of just ping-ponging off of those streets, and you know what I mean, off of those those flagpoles, and the furthest you might go is if you go into the grocery stores or if you're going downtown. Because the grocery store is hella far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, for sure, for sure. But, but like, if if you're going, if that's the only time you leave Leave, your little, like, small area, then— you know what I mean? You you kind of just, that that just becomes your map, that becomes your landing strip, that becomes your globe. So you don't even think about the ideas of, I want to go to LA, I want I want to stop in Louisiana, I want right. to go to Chicago. You just think like, okay, like, you know what I'm saying? I'm going downtown. This, yeah, this is literally did what you, life is. Did you start thinking from, like, when were you like, I want to go to LA, I want to go to Louisiana, I, I want to go to Chicago? I, I went to, my mom, so I have a lot of family in LA, yeah. a lot of family, uh, or just in California in general. Yeah. So and they're, they're all family from Philadelphia. That just was like one okay. day, like fuck it, yeah. So they, and they yeah. came out this way. Um. So, therefore, like I, I spent a lot of time. My mom would just kind of come out here during the summer times. I would, I would come out here just like stay with my uncle yep. for like a month. So, uh, I knew it existed. Didn't really know how to get here. Right. Yeah, I just knew that. But that, knew even that. that in and of itself is a pretty lucky thing to have, like to be able to come visit during the summer. A lot of people yeah. don't get to. It was the same for me. I grew up in Alaska. I have family down here. My mom would bring us down here every summer. Right. Mm-hmm. And then when we got back to Alaska, we'd be like, "Oh my God, you were in, you were in California. Yeah, that's yeah, so right. cool." Yeah, no, like, for sure. Yeah. And that, that's that was what it was growing up for me. So until um, I want to say like high school, um, around high school, we like I was just. Uh, what I was saying earlier, my aunt Kathy, um, yeah. she passed. So our uh, the house that she lived in, it caught on fire, and oh. uh, my aunt and all of my cousins in there, they had all passed. Are on you fire. fucking kidding me? Yeah, it was bad, bro. It was real bad. Bro, <laughs> it was bad. Stop yeah. making me fucking choke up. Jesus <laughs> no, Christ, no, it's good. It's like I'm, you know, oh, I mean, I'm, I'm molded I'm with so, it. Like, yeah, again, yeah, I'm yeah. sorry, but fuck. <laughs> nah, yeah. nah, you good, you good. Yeah. But um, when that happened, my mom just kind of. The same way I when when my father passed, I left to LA. When when my mom when my aunt passed, my mom left Philly. So she moved um she moved right outside of Philly to Delaware. Yeah. And uh it took me a little second to get there, but um she moved she transferred me over because I was just into the wrong things. Like I was just, you know, Who were you staying with when she moved? Your dad? Um no, well yeah, I was I would go to my dad's a lot, but I was staying with my other aunt. She was oh, okay. the one that was on fifty second street. Yeah. So um I was I was there a lot, but um you know, then by the time I kind of, even when I was like, you know, once I got to Delaware, I went to Delaware with her. Um, I was just still in Philadelphia. My mom made it to where as though I could, I only went to school like, like Monday to Thursday. And then like, you know what I'm saying? And then I go to Philly until Monday sometimes and then come back Monday evening, afternoon, mm-hmm. leave. And then I, I go back to school Tuesday, only be in school from Tuesday to Thursday. You know what I'm saying? I was just really so much like, you know, I think just from moving around so much, you kind of just gain this. Uh, as a kid, I almost went through like somewhat of like an identity crisis. It was like I wanted to be so Philly, and I wanted to be, you know, what I'm saying, and where mm-hmm. I was, where I was at, it was like everybody was, you know, it was a bunch of kids that was, yeah, I'm from Philly that never even like, you know, what I'm saying, they might have an uncle or an aunt mm-hmm. that live out there, and it was like, nah, like I'm really, I'm trying my hardest. No, I'm really out here. I'm really in these streets. I'm really woop de woop this and that. So, um, I was just pressing that issue so much, you know, what I'm saying, I was pressing that issue so much that, uh, uh and my brother, at the time, my brother, um. There's a few things that happened. We was like, you know, my mom 
my mom was catching me just doing a bunch of things that I shouldn't have been doing. My right. sister, I, my sister was catching. She caught me like with. She just she caught me doing a couple of things. So, um, and you know, I mean that that kind of became like a you know it's like a, a snap. Like all right, maybe I should fall back. But then, uh, I think we you know as kids you have this kind of sense of invi- invisibility or invincibility. I'm sorry, yeah. invincibility. No, you. Where you um you you don't feel like. Anything could ever hurt you. You of don't course. feel like you know what I'm saying. You 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 still, you're still like you're like made of rubber back then. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. You're still like all right. Like yeah. You know. I could you know like like the worst that happens I lose the fight. Like yeah. you know what I'm saying. You're not like I could go to jail. I could get killed. I could get you know what I'm saying. You hear about it, but you like yeah. that can never happen to me. Right. So I think uh, we all had that kind of invincibility factor going on in our heads. And then one of my uh, my sister's boyfriend. He got shot and uh, paralyzed, oh. and um, he was paralyzed. And my brother, he uh, like the same one. We were running around just doing out like just a bunch of goofy shit. He did. He uh, he got booked for an uh, armed robbery, and um, we were, were kids at the time, we're like fifteen. Mm. And uh, he got booked for an armed robbery, and he went away to like I think when it that was when it became real because it was like. We're all doing the shit, but we once he got caught and not sent to juvenile, he got sent to real jail, like real prison up, upstate. You know what I'm saying? We couldn't really visit him. We couldn't just like, oh, back to you know the juvenile thing. It was like they got recess. They they be able to come home sometimes on weekends, shit like that. They didn't have that. You know what I'm saying? He was he was hours away, and I got to talk to him maybe once every three four months. And this is like you know these like really close like best friends. You know what I'm saying? So once that happened, it really clicked like. Oh shit! Like we, you know, we jeopardize on our our futures. Right. Like you know, what I'm saying, and I and I have a lot of things I want to do in my life. So at that point, it was like, let me fall back. Maybe this Delaware thing isn't too bad of a, you know, I mean, too bad of an idea. But um, from there, that was when I got to realize, you know, like we we went to my mom moved to this big house. Like you know, what I'm saying, I'm used to like a row home. So yeah. my mom moving big house, four bedrooms and shit. I'm like running around against like a mansion. You know, yeah. I, I would imagine if Instagram was out at the time, I'm all on Instagram. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So hey, welcome to my crib. Right? Yeah, you know, yeah. This is where the magic sure. happens. For like, sure, yeah. doing that. You know what I'm saying? So so um um we yeah I, I went at that point. I was like you know I started high school. Um, in Delaware, did a lot of like, you know, I, I was just running around with uh, like a bunch of friends in Delaware, but it was a completely different vibe. Even the homies who I knew that were from Philly, we were on a completely different energy. One of my homies, uh, Doug, he knew me back in Philly, but we were in two way different crowds, you know what I'm saying? So like now that we both went to Delaware, it was like, oh, you like you cool. Like, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You know, and, um, and it was just like, I wasn't trying to be the tough kid no more. I wasn't trying to be tough. I was just trying to be myself. And I think even when we were out just like running around in the streets, like we... We, um, me and my brother specifically, like we we knew who we were, and you know what I'm saying. We just had we had our own character to each other. We was goofy. We was like you know we slap box over like some applesauce or something like right. that. Like we were just you know we had those that type of uh uh we had that type of just like you know wit to us or we had that you know what I'm saying that was our character. So um once we you know once I got out there it was like well. I could take the tough guy shield off. Like, you know, I'm still, if somebody messes with me, I'm, I'm, I mean, we still doing that. We right. still going to fight. We still going to whatever. But for the most part, I'm not trying to pick a fight. I'm not trying to like, you know, I'm not trying to prove to you that I'm tougher than you, that I'm harder than you, whatever. I'm just trying to have a good time. I'm trying mm-hmm. to, you know, I got dreams I want to do and I want to enjoy myself while I'm doing them. So, um, 
Was and the sociology? Sorry to interrupt. Was the could, so, could. was the sociology of Delaware different than Philadelphia? Like, I, was the you said that your mom put you at Upper Darby, the suburban school? Yeah, was yeah. that still a predominantly black school? Yeah, for sure. It was. It was just. It was, it was at the time of everybody who moved to Philly went yeah. to Upper Darby. It was like it was just like a really big baby boom kind of thing. Like okay. a, um um the it's Renaissance like a of giant yeah. high school. Yeah, and it was. It and was so um, in Delaware. Are you? Is it still predominantly black schools? Or are you like starting to be? It's going to sound weird. Yeah. Delaware was the first time I realized, and obviously, like, not seriously, but the first time I realized white people existed. That's what I'm saying. Because there is always kind of, like, a a moment like that. And when I talk to artists where it's like, yeah, that was the first time I was really, like, around white people. Yeah, and it was a culture shock because I don't don't mean, like, white people, like, you know, the white people I I may encounter today or, like, cool white people. I mean, like... Hit, like real white people hit shit the, yeah. the, the orange and they bring your shotgun to school type white people and yeah. you know in Delaware where I was at at least it was allowed like people was pulling up with their shotgun in the, in their back, and like wow. in the back of their trunks and you know they're saying? gonna like go hunt grouse afterwards yeah, they, exactly, yeah. exactly and you know what I'm saying I didn't I never experienced that. I didn't know how to experience when I got there we actually there was like a really big brawl kind of situation it was like 20 of the black kids uh, against like 20, 30 of the, of the white kids and we was all out there like, you know what I'm saying, rumbling because there was like a, a bunch of people from Philly, from Jersey, from D.C., uh, like, you know, their parents moving into into these areas yeah. because there was like, there was like the time when the recession was hitting and like all the houses was like super low. And the white kids are like yeah. on some racist shit about Exactly, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, all the black kids moving into these really nice houses and we got to go to these schools where all the white kids are like, yeah. you know, we already know it. So when I get there, like first, first week there, somebody's like, yo, can I tell you a black joke? What? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I I just don't I don't know how to process this because right. I'm I'm not from you know what I'm saying I'm not from that as a as time went on by the time I graduated with all these white kids I'm cool with them like you know what I'm saying we might we joke we joke around back and forth they might right. you know what I mean they might say like a little fake like racist thing and then we'll just we'll laugh it all because I'll say something back to them and we you know what I'm saying but that's like the context of of our relationship when mm-hmm. I first got there I didn't understand that I didn't understand them so. Um, you know, and that was the first time I was ever called a nigger. Like, you know what I mean? All of that. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know how to, you know, I didn't know how to really, uh, uh, inhabit that. So therefore, you know what I mean? When we got there, I was trying to rumble, like whoever all was on. Time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I was, I was on that like all the time with a bunch of them. And I like, you know, I smacked one of them in the face. Like it, it was just because I didn't, you know what I'm saying? Until still to this day, I don't really like, I've never, you know what I mean? I like, I think Delaware was mild to, if you, I'm pretty sure you talked to a lot of artists from the South who dealt with it way worse than I dealt with it. Cause I know a lot of my homies from the South, when they tell me certain stories, I'm like, I wouldn't even know how to, you know what I'm saying? I wouldn't yeah. even know how to kind of just like brush right. that one off and just be like, oh, well, and, right. the, and the South almost still seems, I, I could be wrong. I haven't spent enough time there, but like it almost still seems so segregated that like artists aren't running into that kind of thing because Got like you, yeah. the white people are over here and then the black people are over <laughs> right, here right, and that's right. just how it stays down there. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. When it starts intermingling, that's when that kind of shit happens. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. no, for sure. And, yeah. that, and that's what I'm saying. Like I, I know, um, I know a lot of them are kind of like, uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, neo-Nazis opposed to real Nazis. Like, I think uh, in Delaware, there were, like, neo-racists opposed right. to, like, the real racists in the South. Right. Like, I think they were just kind of, like, their parents might be racist. They're whoever, like, you know what I'm saying? Their cousins. Yeah, it gets that, handed down, man. Yeah, exactly. And I think they, they even they were in a position where they're, like, the same way we never really dealt with white people. They never really dealt with black people. So they right. were, like, still... 
they were like progressively racist. <laughs> it, it, it's funny because there's this certain there's a certain type of white person that's like tries to prove how not racist they are by say oh by like God. saying racist shit in order to like see get, the racist. You, you know what I'm saying? They're like, oh, have you ever heard somebody say this racist joke? It's so crazy, and, yeah, that, and yeah, it's yeah. like, well, why are you repeating it? Right? Then? Yeah, like, yeah. I, like know? I voted for Obama. Yeah. But like I'm good. <laughs> like what? <laughs> <laughs> the fucking get out shit. I'd vote for him again if I yeah, could. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, okay. Yeah, let's yeah, let's go back to talk about you. Sorry. What like? All right, you had a lot of fucking tragedy in your life, and yeah. and like I said, uh, the the record keep in touch. It's so joyous and, and you. triumphant. You Thank know you. what I'm saying? Like it feels happy. It feels big too. Some of that with like a live band. All of it was with all a live of band. a live yeah, band. Yeah. Okay, that's what I thought. And so, I, I guess like let's go back to just like when did you start rapping as a as a dude in Philly? Is that just something that you just yeah are out <laughs> rapping when you're a kid? The thing is, yeah. Nobody really rapped when I was a rapper. Like, yeah. I, I started rapping maybe, like, second grade. I was talking yeah. about doing it. And then by fifth grade, I was trying to, like, coerce and convince my homies. Like, yo, come on. Look, I'll write it for you, bro. You got to do it. Like, There's just, always that yeah. kid. I yeah. was that kid, too. Yeah, I was yeah. like, bro, like, please, like, look, we could do it together. Yeah. We could be a group. We just, yeah. I'm giving them group names and stuff like that. Like, that was me Um, before everyone started rapping. Yeah. And, you know, like, by then... Uh, I kind of just got swallowed up in the wrong crowds of like like, and not not necessarily the wrong crowds all the time like just on some like like hood shit but like just the wrong crowds of like yo you can make money this way and I didn't at the time I didn't know rappers made money even uh, I, I just thought it was like something really cool to do I was like really just inspired by the idea of wanting to tell your story you know what I'm saying like wanting to just like be I, like before that I wanted to be like an artist like a painter uh, um, but like I just I, like you know. The idea of being able to tell your story and someone being able to listen to it and be inspired by it, be moved by it. The first record that really did that for me was Eminem. It was an Eminem record. So, yeah. Um, that was what The Slim like, Shady LP? or what? I, I heard Kill You. Okay. Um, <laughs> and I heard, I heard a bunch Marshall of... That's Marshall Mathers LP? Is that I think, what yeah, 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 Marshall Mathers okay, LP yeah. is Kill You. Um, and I at the time, I heard a bunch of uh, Ludacris, and I was like, you know, that was what rap music was to me. Ludacris slept on in the annals for of sure, rap history. He, sure. he had he had a lot of bars. He's very uh, entertaining. For sure, Versatile yeah. as well. And I, yeah, and Ludacris did a lot for me, like just on grassroots, like kind of yeah. like growing up, like, okay, yo, and then you just be this animated. Yeah, and yeah. like the two people that inspired me on the rap side, other than James Brown on the, on the music side, was uh, Ludacris, who was animated, and... Uh, Eminem, who was a different character right. in every song, so um, I heard ki- I heard "Kill You," and it wasn't necessarily that like him talking about killing his mom inspired me to you know uh, do anything like that, but it was more so just the idea of Ludacris was still somewhat club music, like to whatever the effect of club music was that uh, back mm. then. But Eminem was just rapping about whatever he wanted to rap about, like you know what I'm saying? It mm-hmm. was like. I don't know, like I'm 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 six, seven years old hearing, you know, why I say these things to so ladies screams, keep even mm-hmm. say these dreams. Like I'm like, oh, this is cool. Like, you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? He's just saying things that he, you know, that's going coming through his head. And I wanted to do that. I wanted to just like say things that came to my head, whether it was like super inspiring or just like uh uh like a brain fart. I just wanted to get those things out and have like and make those things sound cool on record. So um that was kind of what started me up at the time. I used to, uh, uh, I had a homie named Keem, and me and Keem, we used to, like, you know, we was, like, back, we used to, <laughs> we used to take turns, uh, uh, this is my first, my first actual studio was my cell phone, 
Um, I would like record it into my cell phone, send it to my email, and then pull it up on the computer and like try and match it with the beat. Mm-hmm. But uh, the first time I actually recorded into a microphone, my homie Keem, we would just take turns. Like uh, he was a rapper, also we take mm-hmm. turns like bagging up weed, and uh, like we um so like one of us would bag up and press record, and then the other one would like record rap into it, and then we just like switch out every hour or something like that. It was mm-hmm. a cool, it's it like it was a cool little situation, mm-hmm. but um. Uh, I think, yeah, I've been doing that. I had, you know, that, that kind of, uh, progressed and progressed and transformed into me, um, wanting to be myself at first. It was still like, that was kind of like, I think Delaware helped a lot with my musical side also, just because it was Delaware and, uh, in 10th grade, um, I moved to California for a few months with my uncle mm-hmm. and both of those places helped me a lot with, uh, being myself in music. That was what part story. of California were you in? Uh, the middle of nowhere. It was yeah. like, it's by some area called Slow. Oh, uh, San Luis Obispo? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, like right, right outside of that is an area, is a place called, I'm only saying Slow. I San Marcos? Think. No. Solvang? Paso. <laughs> oh, Paso Robles. Paso Robles. Paso yeah. Robles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, shout out yeah. Paso Robles. That's <laughs> very yeah. rare reference. It was, it was weird though. Like, it was cool for me because mine's just boring out there, like dead out there. Yeah. But at the time, me just being in the city, like on like forever, I like you know going out there, like the trash truck, it would reach out and grab the trash can and dump it in. Like now, everywhere it does yeah, that. Yeah. But like at the time, it was you never saw that, never. So I'm like, <laughs> what? I'm like, what is this place? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, um, yeah. uh, when, when you were there, I was probably only about an hour away in Santa Barbara. That's oh, where I was yeah. back then. Yeah. <laughs> we finally connect. Yeah, there it is. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so I was um. I was down there, and uh, uh, I think those places really inspired me to come back to Philly and be myself. Like, yeah, you know, start right. to go by my actual name, and you know, what I'm saying, not really try and make like hard or tough music, or like try and be some sort of gangster rapper, but just be me. I also heard a, I heard a, it was a mixtape at the time. At that time, Big Sean was coming out, and um, Bob had dropped a mixtape called Bob versus Bobby Ray. And on the mm-hmm. Bobby Ray side, mm-hmm. he was like just playing guitar, just making really weird songs. And 808s and Heartbreaks came out, um, and I was just like, I was just really fascinated with the ideas of like all the things you could do and still consider yourself a rap artist. Like you could, like you know, they were making folk songs at this point. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And I was like. Yeah, I need to be a part yeah, of it. Yeah, I feel like, like Kid Cudi and fucking okay, T-Pain yeah, really, yeah. like, changed the whole dynamic exactly, of rapper yeah, at yeah. that time, you Exactly, know? and, and yeah. I wanted to be a part of that. I wanted to be, you know, like, I didn't really understand the autotune thing too yeah. much, but I just wanted to, I wanted to sing. I wanted to put instruments on and just, like, run notes out because at the time I was still doing, the, like, somewhat of the stick-up kind of thing, just, like, rapping words, words, Are, words. Is that you wailing at the end, like, singing um, at the end of the— Wonderful. F- yeah, is that no, you? No, oh, no, I was about no, to no, say, no, I was no. like, man, yeah. <laughs> I was listening. I felt like Eddie Murphy and coming to me, like, that boy can sing. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. That's uh, one of the homies, um, Christian Easton. Okay, He's yeah. Like really good. Really... I said, damn, this fool could wail. I, I was yeah, like, because nah, it didn't have a featuring on there, and I'm like, who is this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. no. Nah, he, he was— at the time, he was still going through like what he wanted to name himself yeah, or something right. like that. So, um, and it was also uh, that was like the beginning of the streaming era when like we were still doing the uh, the surprise features, like okay, yeah. when Vince with Vince Staples had Kendrick on the record, but you didn't see his right. name on it. Like so, right. we were doing it that way. But um, yeah, now nah, Christian, um, that was a cool joint because we we used to we was doing these band sessions. We had these really big sessions, and it would be like maybe seven to eight people in a room, like like three musicians, yeah. uh, five singers, and 
we didn't really have anyone to curate it all. I'm not like I'm, I'm nobody's like you know vocal director or anything. Like right. That, so producer. you didn't have somebody kind of running the show and being the the um, arrangement doing exactly, the arrangements. Exactly. Yeah. Christian came in because he needed a studio to record at, and mm-hmm. um, I was like, "Yo, ch- come check this studio out." Like he, we had we met a year prior to that. I never really heard him sing. I heard his cousin sing, but I never heard him sing. And uh, he was like, "Yeah, I'm just come check the studio out." He got in there. And uh, we just like, you know, we chopping it up for a little bit. And then that's when he, um, uh, I'm like, yo, I really want this, like, I came a long way thing. And I was like, I don't want to be the one to do it, but I needed to have, like, this really, like, pastor kind of Yeah, voice. that's what it sounds like, somebody exactly, going to church. Like a, exactly, yeah, like yeah. an old guy, like, just really getting it off. Yeah. And, and Wiping was, his um, brow with a fucking... Yeah, right, right, know, right. Like, exactly, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, take it, just take the whole, take the whole second, the yeah. congregation there. Yeah, right. And um, he was like, I mean, I could try it out. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, okay, cool. Like, you know what I'm saying? At, at this point, like, I'm not going to lie, we were kind of depleted. We were defeated with the whole process. We was like, man, we might as well just clip this drink, like clip it in half and just have it just be one song and, you know, just move on to the next thing, not even do this. It'd be a cool idea. Um, we was watching Dragon Ball Z in the studio. Like, yeah. that's that, we was at that point. We weren't even, like, really paying attention. So we got, like, it's like me, my homie Jake, um, uh, my DJ Ja, and, like, a few other people. We're just in there not really paying attention to the to the board. Um, we press record. We like, yo, you can go whenever. And we're watching Dragon Ball Z. Face turned away from the like the screen, the the, uh, the windows over this way. We got our face, our backs turned to it. And he goes, I came alone. Yeah. Yo, everybody's head turned. Yeah, we yeah, it, it all turned. Yeah. And I just tensed up. I yeah. tensed up. I'm like, what is that? And then he keep going. And he's like, I came alone. Yeah. And then like he's. And he goes, he does it four bars, yeah. and then he stops. You can hear it in the record, but he stops. He looks over like, am I, you know what I'm saying, I'm good. We all start cheering. Yeah, like, you know yeah. what I'm saying? We cheering as if, like, you know, you know when uh, when somebody do the kickoff return, yeah, they catch yeah. it, but, like, they run for, like, maybe 40 yards, and you're like, all right, they about to get tackled. Yeah. Then they shake somebody, and they and keep like, going. Ah! Then you're like, whoa, no, 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 yeah, get, yeah, going, get, get going, going. Yeah, yeah. We on that way, so yeah. we all on the other side going, rooting him on, rooting him on. And he did it all. One take, like that yeah. one, that one oh, take. Tight. The first take that he that he that's did in there story. is the one that's on the nice. record. That's so tight. you know what I'm saying. Right after that, we bang that joint out. We we bought him in like he just won a Grammy. Yeah. We all like you know what I'm saying. We shaking <laughs> yeah. him. Yeah. So uh, and you then, did it right, right. And right after that, um, we still didn't have like a lot of the vocals for like say what for tomorrow for wonderful. Yeah. Um, we just had a lot of singers in the studio. Uh-huh. And he was like, "Yo, do you want me to like vocal vocal producer like arrange it?" Yeah, I said, "You could do that." He yeah. was like, "Yeah." So he brings them all in there. there he's go. like, yo, you sing this, you sing that, you sing that, and you sing this. And he's like, I'll do the, you know, I'll do the reference I was going to say, he, on the record as a whole, there's so much vocal layering and there's like a yeah. lot of harmonies going yeah. on. Uh-huh. Like, it's a, it sounds like a big, intense production. Yeah, You know sure. what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And he did. Yeah, he was the he was the mastermind yeah, behind all dope. that. He made, made sure everything sounded yeah, the right. way it's supposed to sound. So That's dope. Yeah. Um, so let me ask you this. You're just coming off of, of a little like two year break of your own. Yeah. yeah like, yeah. and this is the first project you put out since then. Yeah. And so like, what, what's the plan? Like, are you, are you out here free? You seem like you're out in LA kind of a lot. Are you like doing the meetings and stuff? Are you, so, are you signed? Are you doing that thing? Or not, what are you going to do? I'm not, I'm not signed currently. Yeah. You know, like, I don't know, you know, I, I, I spoke with, I've literally sat down with Everybody, everybody, everybody. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and I, I, uh, I mean, you have like the look, and you have a big sound, and like yeah. it doesn't surprise me that everybody wants to meet with you. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. for sure. Thank you. I, I, um, I sat down with every label. I turned everyone down at the time yeah. because I wanted to do it independently. Right. And um, all last year, 
uh, from the beginning of the of the year to like I want to say October, right before we ended up dropping the project, mm-hmm. I was on the road. I was mm-hmm. just touring, touring nonstop. You playing. go out headlining on your own, or do you uh, go so out I with did, acts? Um, Matt, so I'll, I'll, I'll even pull it back a little yeah, further. Um, December, I did went out on my own. Did um, we did like a little holiday run? Yeah. Um, a couple of cities, like oh, like a little East Coast run, and then uh, right shortly after that, I did uh, I toured with Vince Staples oh, throughout shit. February, yeah. March, South by obviously, um, and then into April we did uh, all of April and May was college shows. Okay, but no, nah, yeah, my booking agent just just got you college shows, nonstop college shows, and yeah. then uh, that rolled right into we did like a give back free event in Philly, um, oh, and that was that was real cool. And you played like, Made in America this year. Yeah, yeah I, I played Made in Year. Uh, I played Made in Made. I can't get my words out. That's played right. Made in America the year before that. In eighteen, um, yeah, eighteen, yeah. and then uh, and that rolled that rolled right into the tour, um, my own thing, and then which rolled right into the year that you were playing Made in America. I was in Philly, uh, and I was yeah, like, yeah. why is Philly so crazy right now? And it's because yeah. Made in America was nah, going you on. Definitely so I, tapped I, in, I couldn't, bro. I couldn't have gone and I couldn't go see the Rocky Steps or nothing. You uh, know what yeah, I mean? Like, because yeah, it was like yeah. right there. I run to the Rocky Steps. I, like my yeah. where my crib is at is like maybe a mile down from uh, or right a mile up from Rocky Steps. I run there every morning at five. Key, everything yeah. in Philadelphia feels a mile from the Rocky yeah, 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 so That's nah, like right yeah, in the you center. You can get anywhere in forty minutes, yeah, bro. Promise right, you. Right. But uh, um, yeah. So that, but it was like from Made in America went straight into um, like a bunch of East corporate. Coast. It was oh, just yeah. like corporate shows. So like that was corporate shows here to LA and for like you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, and then that rolled into the tour, which rolled into Vince Staples, which yeah. rolled into South by to college shows, which went straight into festivals. Yeah. And festivals lasted until. Um, festivals lasted until like a couple one-off things. I did a show with Nas. That's dope. Um, yeah, that was really cool. And you then, get to meet him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, we how's that? It was, it was a good. He's a good dude. Yeah. Um, we didn't we didn't get to do any pictures because yeah. uh, did the pro, but like it was like a his team was like yo like you crazy for like you know for for you know what I mean like we yeah. um he was like we we really want to we think that y'all just kind of collide together. It was for me it was weird because. Bro, I'm I'm early twenties, so like yeah. you know what I'm saying. And he's Nas is a uh, uh, Nas is like one of my heroes, and I'm almost forty. So right, like, right, yeah, and and you know what I'm saying. I, and I love Nas. I think yeah. Nas is dope. Don't get me wrong, but I, I'm not even speaking about on Nas, but his fan base, and especially like his fan base in the middle. We were in some place called Funner, California. It was man, like yeah, it's 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 literally named after a casino. Yeah. Um, it, it's uh it, what's the guy name? I think his name like Ron Riggle or something like that. Okay. Um whoever that he's like on Step Brothers. That guy is the mayor of the town. Um Really? Yeah, it's this weird little area uh and um we we performed at that casino and it was all like the whole crowd was just like retired gang members, like super like forty five year old like yeah. uh, uh, Latin King kind of crowd, yeah. <laughs> like boy, but like loyalty tatted across their yeah. chest type of joints. Um, so we hey, ca- California cholos love real hip hop. Yeah, no, for you sure, know what I'm for like, sure, for sure. So yeah. it was, but that was the whole crowd. So it was cool. Um, a couple of my family members pulled up, and you know, what I mean, we just got to hang out and everything. But it was also just like. Uh, I did. I just didn't want to. Uh, like, I don't want to uh, every night just be the. You know what I'm saying? Like, I like to. I like to perform with a bunch of little kids that I. I jump in the crowd. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I stage dive and all that. I was like, I'm not about to stage dive with anybody over, right. over 40 years old. Like, right. <laughs> you know what I'm it's, saying? It's so funny that you're like in your early 20s because you got like old soul swagger. You know? Yeah, what I mean? for sure. For like sure. even the record does too. Thank like, you. Yeah. 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 I, I wouldn't have guessed that uh, you were as young as you are. I would have thought you were a few years older. To be yeah. honest. No, I mean, yeah. I mean, I've been, I've been at it since maybe like I, you know, like I went, I started to switch over going by my real name. Uh, that was like 20. 
10, 20, or yeah. 20, whatever a year. Like you I was started doing, when you was a kid, basically. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I've been, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I think I've just kind of been yeah. around for so long. It was right. just like, all right, like, I'm not, you know, like, a, a while a lot of things when I was maybe 17, 18, right. getting used to, like, I was really excited about it and everything. Now it's just like, yo, like, you know what I'm saying? I think everything is like, I, I'm just like very grateful for everything. It's just right. like, you know, I take everything with a grain of salt. So w- with all the meetings that you're taking and, and having met with everybody and putting out the record independently, w- what do you think? Do you think it's going to be uh, a journey that you will continue the, in- independent. the independent run? Or do you think like eventually you will try to collaborate with a corporation? Or, or I, may, I may do the collaboration. Independent is boring. I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, like, a, it's a lot of extra work. Exactly. Yeah. And I think for a while, uh, I might have just been putting the extra work on myself whereas though like there was there might have been a lot of um there might have been a lot of people like just like good good partners that I could have partnered up with and made well, yeah what I'm easier. learning too is it's a lot of trust issue shit a lot of people that stay independent a lot of it has to do with trust issues For like sure, no, I, like and, all these all the paperwork and the contracts man it's like okay what paragraph are they trying to fuck me over in? Yeah, yeah, you know? no, for sure. No, that, that's that's really what it was. Because at the time when I did a lot of those meetings, um, I was I was bubbling, getting like you know like getting all this stuff going on, and I didn't. It wasn't that I didn't have. I didn't. Not only that, I didn't have a label. I didn't have all I had was like a, a lawyer who I was cool with, not like yeah. not even a lawyer that I was like paying that, on retainer. That was your anything. official counsel. Yeah, exactly. I had a lawyer I was cool with. I didn't have a manager. Yeah. I didn't have no one in my corner. It was literally me walking myself in here and like. And when I met a lot of these people, they the even you know some of the people who I might have met before they knew who I was, they might have they the way you know what I'm saying the same way I was doing the old old swagger. Like I just go up, I talk to anybody. Mm-hmm. So they thought I was managing someone. Oh, you know what I'm right, saying? They didn't right. even they didn't even know I was the artist. I wasn't carrying myself like an artist. I learned over time that um, there's a chaperone aesthetic that people look at artists like. It's almost like I could be, I could be, I don't know, say say I could be Diddy or Coach K or I, I could be anybody. You know, so I could be uh, uh, Adam Twenty Two, and you know, so I could be you. I could be you trying to, and not to say you do this, but I could be you trying to interview an artist, mm-hmm. and I'd be like, Yo, I really want to work with you. Um, Give me your manager's contact, and I'll like you know I'm gonna talk to your manager or like or where's your manager at? Let me talk to your manager. Let's set something up. And it's like <clears throat> I know a lot of artists like want to stay on the artist side and just be like, yo, I don't even want to deal with that. Just let me know where I need to be, and I'll be there. I just didn't like the idea of feeling like a child. Like you know, what I'm yeah. saying? Like, it feels almost like yo, like yo, I really want to have you. Like I want you to come over to my crib. Let me talk to your father and see if it's okay if you can come by and you know and whatever. I get whatever. That. Yeah, and I totally it was just like that. yo, I'm. I'm an adult. <laughs> it, it, <laughs> you know what I'm it, it is uh, a strange dynamic in that, uh, a- as an artist, if you speak for yourself, there seems to be uh, diminishing eva- like value or eva- evaluation of your of your worth. You know right, what I mean? Right, like, right, right, oh, right. he doesn't have a manager and he does this himself. Like, mm, nah, he probably not that good then, or something. Yeah, you yeah, know what yeah, I'm yeah, saying? No, like, sure. it, it's like th- there's this club that you get to enter when you have somebody else talking for you right and and i didn't um at the time because when i when i had a manager um they weren't doing for me what i thought you expect and and like yeah and 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 i get it because you're like me where it's like no one's gonna work as hard for me as i will for myself type shit and so yeah it gets frustrating when you're waiting for somebody else like yo answer this fucking email dog i would have already done it like answer it let's go yeah yeah. and and i i didn't um i was uh there was a period. There was a like a point. A point in a period. Like I won't. I won't call the people yeah. out. But uh, whoever whoever was managing me, there was a lot of things I thought they were doing. 
that I found out later on they weren't doing. Like, I'd be like, yo, yeah. can you link me up with such and such? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I got, I, I'm on an email with him right now talking about linking up with you. Yeah. And I would just like, a few months down the line, I would run into this person and, you know what I mean, or even, not even that person, I would run into their manager and yeah. I'd be like, yeah, my manager should have told me about, told you about Woody Woo. He's like, who's your oh, manager? Yeah. What are you talking about? Yeah, yeah. right. Exactly. Like, ah, oh, no. Nah, I, I can't yeah. say I have, but like, you know, like you seem cool. Like, you know, yeah. let's talk now. Yeah. And it's just like, you know, that happened so many times where I was like, oh, I'm, you know, in my head, I'm thinking that you running, like you running this whole campaign for me that you, you know saying, you got me at the forefront. Like, right. nah, we this, we that. But there might have been another artist she was working with. It might have you know I mean, that you might have been yeah, I totally get speaking that. them up. Uh, well, and, you, and I feel like you're... Um, a very good communicator. We've been emailing back and forth for fucking three years yeah, now because sure, we've been yeah, trying yeah. to make this happen forever. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and you're a go getter. Like you clearly sure. are willing to like speak up for yourself. And for so sure. yeah, I get it. Like because I'm the same way. And it, it is frustrating having a manager who's like curating the fucking decisions that that need to be made. Like, well, right. no, that's not the right one for you. Like, don't fucking tell me what's the right thing. Yeah, like, yeah, do yeah. the shit. You <laughs> right, know what right, I mean? right. Like, no, for get sure. Get it done. I just yeah. And I, I was just I, I don't like um. You know what I mean? Like, for me, it's like, if I'm going to work by myself, then yeah. cool. Like, let me work by myself. But yeah. one thing I don't like, I don't like people, um, how do I explain this? Like, when when one person one person scores the touchdown and one person wins the Super Bowl and everybody yeah. gets a ring. You know what I'm I don't like that. I, mm -hmm. It's just kind of like, I think everyone has a wheel to make a car move. There's like, especially if it's an 18-wheeler, I think everyone should turn one of those wheels on the 18 wheeler to keep the car moving it shouldn't be like yeah nah like yo just hold these three wheels down I'ma kinda like I'ma spin yeah. this little wheel when I feel like it right. but yo we can get somewhere it's like you know and that, that's that's kinda how a lot of those situations were starting to feel so it's like I mean, like you know, like I and I get the importance of them uh, yeah. because I like I'm I'm getting as I as I get more and more deeper into it, the workload becomes a lot more. And, and as you get deeper into it, like you're going to find like people won't respond if you're speaking for yourself, right? Like for you sure. have to have that like no, industry exactly. manager, exactly. You know I mean? And that, like, that's what I learned when I you know I had, and I ended up having to yeah, get and one. yeah. And people apply, like I said, people apply more value to you when you're unwilling to talk to them. It's, right, it's yeah, like right. it's like that mystique that you create. It's like. uh like if you, because well, me and you, we've been emailing. But if yeah, you, yeah. if I emailed you this time and you're like, oh yeah, cool, let me loop you into your manager, I'd have been like, oh shit, Armani done fucking came up. Yeah, like, right, damn right, right. Got, no, Oh, I sure. can't, I can't talk to him no more. I gotta like for be, sure. I gotta be delicate now and right, talk to yeah, his manager. Yeah, yeah. And nah, that shit's yeah. intimidating, even for someone like me that's like fucking twenty years older than most of these managers. You feel me? And it, it's it's crazy that you say that. I was just thinking about, um, I was thinking about, uh. I have a few friends who are like really rich yeah. and I have a few friends, another friends, maybe they're not really rich, but mm. they're really cool people, really good people. And I think the same way you might've like, you, you know, you might've just like subconsciously did that, not even did that on purpose. Like if mm. I was like, like I, I like, no, right now I have a manager yeah. and, um, and you know what I'm saying? And I, I, I think the only reason I didn't was just like, we've been doing we've it been for cool. so long. And honestly, exactly. I would have been a little offended had you yeah, done that. Yeah, you know I, what I'm saying? No, like, like, yeah. I thought it would have been weird yeah, if I was like, yeah, yeah, let me loop you in. Exactly. Like, it's like, what, what, what yeah. am I looping that in for? And it's like, just politics shit. Yeah. yeah. But like, I think the same way you subconsciously do that, I was uh, like, I was with my homie last yeah. night. We were at the, uh, the Roots Jam session. Yeah, right. And um, we were talking to this photographer and um, and we're like, you know, we just, we just chopping it up, whatever. And she's like, she's taking our picture and she's like, oh, do I have to send it to you guys too? Yeah. And like, we're, but we're laughing. We're like joking around and everything. But afterwards, after she took the picture, she's like, yo, do you want me to send it to you? And I'm like, yeah, for sure. Um, and, uh, she, she, she grabs my homie's contact. I had to go to the bathroom. And when I come back, he's like, yo, 
that fighter, like that photographer had like such and such many hundred thousand followers. And I was like, yeah. He yeah. like, yeah, she verified. He like, bro, she like, she juiced up. He said, I was almost like, yo, my bad. Like, yo, yeah. I mean it. And it's just, but I was laughing because I was like, it's weird how we kind of just have this subconscious uh, social status thing going on with social media. All whereas the time. though, like, if someone is really popular on social media, you almost talk to them differently. Oh, yeah. And if, like, if, say, say somebody follows you and they're, like, they're, you know, cool, bold in person. Like, I, I just met somebody at, uh, at Whole Foods and he had maybe, like, I don't know, like, I won't call him out, but he had maybe, like, a couple hundred followers. Yeah. And I was like, yo, like, yo, we should, you know, we should link up. Like, next time in L.A., let's chop it up, woody, woody, woody. You're and, like, yo, once you get your followers up, right, right, yeah, yeah, but, but it's just, like, it, it's, it was just weird. Like, it's yeah. funny to me anytime because I, I kind of go through the same battle in my head still where I'm like, you know, it's subconsciously. Like, I yeah. like I don't want to be that corny bull, but, like, there is a subconscious that's just like, ah, uh, you ain't really doing it if you ain't got no followers. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But uh, it's like, you know, I got a bunch of homies, like I said, who are very rich yeah. and they just don't play the the social media thing Hell like no. that. But it, yeah. I mean, that's the real power shit is like once you stop thinking about clout right. and you're really only just thinking about this money, yeah, yeah. like no, you don't talk sure. about it for and sure, you don't got to sure. show it and for you don't sure. got to flex. I, I think honestly at this point, and this is just me bullshitting now, but if you're if you're like still on Instagram flexing about what you're doing, like you're not really doing shit yeah. because if you're actually flexing, you got to be quiet about it. Yeah, no, for Do sure. Do you know what I mean? My dad told me one of the things he told me was he's like, uh, I used to just be on my phone all the time when I was a kid, yeah. and he one of the things he instilled in me was like, if you're, if you're on your if if you like, say you're having fun. Yeah. I don't know. Say you like, say you're enjoying yourself. If every moment that you're enjoying yourself, you have to show someone that you're enjoying yourself. You're not really. You're enjoying not enjoying it. yourself. Yeah, like soak a fucking moment in, yeah, bro. Like you, if you're looking at a sunset, keep your phone away one time and enjoy the motherfucking sunset. Sure. When Remember you, it. When you do it, you're not. You're not the last thing you're thinking about. Like last night, the roots jam. I'm just, yeah. just bringing it up because it was there. Because uh, it was you know last yeah. night. We had so much fun. Like like from like nine o'clock when we got there till three a.m. when we left. Mm. I didn't take one picture. Mm. And like I'm talking like this is legendary status. Like you know I'm with Black Thought who's like big brother to me. Like yeah. you know we've running into uh, like so many different celebrities. Dave Chappelle was with us and you know what I'm saying all these things. But the last thing I'm thinking is yo uh, say that joke you just said yeah, like let me get bruh, it on my Instagram. Like, you, you know pull out your phone at that point. That's the last time you get to be around those people. Exactly. It's like I'm not you know like you can't the, be corny like that. Yeah I'm out like but it's not it's yeah. not even uh, I'm not even thinking like yeah. oh, I don't want to be corny. Yeah. It's just like the last thing in my brain is, yo, pull your phone out yeah. to get a, get a picture of this moment or, like, yo, ask somebody, can you get a flick yeah. of them? Like, it's just, it's, you know, it's just like it, I, I live in it. It's not that you're not a cloud chaser. Like, right, that's for sure. It, and yeah. it's crazy, though, because you have to, you know, especially, like, like me, I, I, when I when, when my father passed, I went Amish, so I wasn't yeah. really playing social media yeah, at right. all. Like, even, you know, like, I think my drink just really grew in the past not even a year in the past maybe eight months just uh-huh. because I started to like really actually play the social media game but before that I was just not really on it and I think um it's just weird because you have to kind of you kind of have to play into the game you have to like kind of broadcast not everything you're doing like especially not like the, the secret moves that's like the flex moves but you kind of just have to broadcast like yo I'm doing this I'm eating here today I'm eating there yeah. today just to you know just to kind of keep continuity going and right. I'm still learning to like be a part of it you know right. more so like I want you know I, I get that and, and I know like what this is what we're doing right now is essentially all like it's creating content for social for media sure, yeah, like yeah. that's what it is at the heart of it but at the same time i'm like 
the older I get, the more anti fucking social media I get. Not on some right. like, oh, you whippersnappers. It's just like it's yeah. not for me. Like I don't get, I don't give a fuck about being on the camera. Like I never have. Yeah. Honestly, even when I, when I rapped, I hated filming music videos. It's a pain <laughs> in the ass. Like I don't really like. I'm a outgoing introvert. You feel yeah. me? Like I <laughs> yeah. like doing this because we get to be alone in the fucking room and I get mm-hmm. to talk and have those social experiences. But when I'm out and about. I don't want to talk to nobody. Like, leave me alone. Right. Like, like, you know what I'm saying? And so, one thing that changed my one yeah. thing that changed my whole perspective on all this. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, go ahead. But one thing that changed my whole perspective on a lot of things was uh, my big brother uh, Lee. He, we were playing a game. Uh-huh. Um, he's also named Lee. Yeah. But uh, my big brother. Shout out to all the Lees <laughs> out there. <laughs> we were playing. Uh, we were playing 2K, and he's like. He's like a, a Villanova scouted like basketball player. Like he's you know like a really good yeah. basketball player, um, in real life. But we're playing two K. I'm cooking this yeah, man. Like he's I'm, trash. Yeah, I'm cooking him, bro. Yeah. Mind you, I can't play ball that, yeah. that well. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm not. I'm nobody's like Steph Curry or anything like that uh-huh. or AI. But like you know, I, sh- I can shoot a ball. But we're playing. We're playing it, cooking him, and so um. He's like, you know, like he's trying to figure out why he's losing as bad as he's losing. And mm. I don't even play 2K, but like mm. he's trying to figure out why he's losing as bad as he's losing. Um, so we I beat him, beat him maybe twice, maybe three times. We 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 finished. Maybe twenty six times. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Like thirty yeah, yeah. But uh um I skunk him a couple of times. We we, we oh, finished. Shit. Yeah, and um and then I think either the next day or the day after that, we get back. Um we just got back to the 2K and we was playing it. And he's cooking me, mm-hmm. like bro, cooking me. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I'm talking, like he starts skunking me on the mm-hmm. chain. I'm like, damn, what happened? You know what I'm saying? Like, what happened in, these, in this day, two days that just like changed your whole game up? And one thing he said, he has no idea that this is like advice that I use in yeah. my daily life. But one thing he said was, he said the problem was I was treating it too much like it was real basketball. I was treating it too much like it was real life, but it's a game. And he said, in the moment I started to play it like it was a game. I was good at it, mm. and that's why. That's how I treat a lot of times going out when I don't want to go out. That's how I treat sometimes even making music. That's how I treat uh, 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 the internet. That's how I treat Instagram. That's how I treat Twitter, whatever. Like you know, what I'm saying that's how I treat certain meetings and things like that. It's like sometimes I just play the game. You know what I'm saying? And like I love like even if I don't like doing certain things, I love playing games. So it's like if I just look at it like. A game. If I'm in a meeting with some label I don't want to meet, but like, and like, and in their head they see like a, a star that they they can make me into. Um, in my head, I see a health bar over their head, like a little heart on the side. I'm like, I'm enjoying myself. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So I play everything like it's a game, and it makes every it makes it all a lot easier there for you me. Go. You know what I'm saying? But yeah, that's 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 my whole strategy towards it. That's <laughs> some real game for all of you guys out there too. I think. Yeah. Um, I think that's a good place to end. I, I think we did what we came to do. Absolutely, yeah. I'm glad that after all this time of chatting, yes, and, yeah, <laughs> back and forth, that we were finally able to schedule this. It For was sure. kismet. It was the right time, I'm sure. Um, so, congrats on the record from 2019. Keep in touch. Is is out across all DSPs right now. You can go yes, find sir. it and listen to it right now if you've not yet heard it. Um, tell the people where else they can find you online. You'll find me on uh, any streaming platform as Armani White. That's my name. He and got the blue check marks. Yeah, yeah. You know, all the checks is up there. You That's can right. find me on all of the social media platforms as Armani Blanco. I like to be Spanish sometimes. There you go. But uh, yeah, and it's blue checked everywhere. Roll those yeah. R's. Armani Blanco. Armani Blanco. There you go. <laughs> I found out Blanc, uh, Blanc. French is oh. Blanc. Blanc. Yeah, they yeah. don't say that. The rest of it is Blanc. Yeah. 
<laughs> I just got back from France, bro. Yeah. Je parle un peu de français. Oh, okay. No, okay. just kidding. Hold on, slow down. Slow down. Yeah, man. Find this man online, Armani Blanco, Armani White. Uh, yeah, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Uh, my name is Lee. Some of you guys might know me as Intuition. You can follow me online at It's Intuition. You can follow us as a unit at Kinda Neat on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, of course, where you're going to see Armani White perform. Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Uh, that's going to be up. So whether you're looking at that first and then listening to this or listening to this first and then going to watch that, go do it one way or the other. That doesn't make yes, sense. Sir. That's like when Talib Kweli said on his song, Love, he's like, I don't know if you ever heard Reflection Eternal. He goes, yeah. he goes, uh, when you're hearing this song, just know that we're going to say love in a bunch of different languages. <laughs> so if you hear the word love, just know it's going to be in a bunch of different languages. And I went, well, then how am I supposed to know that right, it's right, the word yeah. love? Right, right, right. Anyway, uh, that's a stupid reference. All right. <laughs> we, we did what we came to do. That was Armani. I'm Lee. And this was kind of neat. <laughs>